0: Hey Honeymooners, you can find ad-free episodes, Moshe's DJ sets, merch discounts, and so much more on our Patreon.
1: Check it out at patreon.com slash endlesshoneymoon or click the link in the description of this episode. Welcome to the Endless Honeymoon Podcast, Uh wedding edition, Tosh. Oh, you're... It's wedding week, girl.
0: I feel lucky that I haven't been invited to that many weddings.
1: Well, my brother's getting married this very Sunday.
0: You're kind of turning into a bridezilla by proxy.
1: Yeah, I have a... Groomzilla. I'm I'm best manzilla.
0: Are you the best man?
1: Uh, No, there's no such thing as a best man in um, a Jewish wedding because we believe in the fundamental uh, evil of all men. And so they don't say best man. They won't say best man because we know that evil lurks in the heart of even the closest of friends. Interesting. Something I completely made up on the spot. This is not true. So, oh,
0: but you guys don't have best men.
1: There are no best men. There are no uh, bridesmaids in a Jewish wedding. Here's my take, hot take on the Jewish wedding. Everything. Obviously, it's a superior religion with a stranglehold on the ultimate truth in terms of religion and the cosmos and stuff. Obviously, that's true. But leaving that aside, the Jewish wedding ceremony. Has somehow, through an accident of history or tradition, sidestepped. If you follow the Jewish wedding to the T, you will sidestep all of the really cringy parts of the traditional American Western wedding. No bridesmaids, no best man, no speeches, no toasts, no vows. Right, it's all gone.
0: Yeah, and all you have to do is put a napkin on your bride's head and make sure she's not the uh, the ugly daughter of the baker or whatever. That's the right, second ugliest daughter. Like he thought he married like you liked that. The though. least ugly one, Belkin. Is that what it's called? It's
1: called the The Bedaken, and yeah, it's a ceremony that I would say is not woke.
0: It's to make sure they're not trying to sneak someone else in instead of the one that they promised well, to you.
1: It's a ritual. I mean, it's a symbolic. It's, you know, when women ritual. were like
0: cattle. <laughs> <laughs> I love definite. that time.
1: <laughs> By the way, Natasha, that's super rude and ignorant of you. They didn't have like cows back then, it was a like, yaks. So <laughs> you wouldn't say cattle. Anyway, um Ugh, actually is a yak, yak.
0: That sounds so useless. Is
1: it no a yak? What a do you yak?
0: do with a yak?
1: The same thing you do with a cow. You finger it, you fuck it, and oh you bring God. milk from it. Now Natasha. Yeah, the bodekin is a ceremony in Hasidic weddings where, yeah, the bride has like a, a veil over her head and then the groom's supposed to come in with all of his homies, lift up the veil and be like, yep, that's the hot chick that I was going to marry. Not, uh, she, she didn't get, I didn't get tricked into marrying her ugly sister or something like that. Right. So yeah, it's not, it's not the most progressive uh, of, of uh, rituals. Exactly. But you don't have... Co- what do you want more? You want feminism, equality... The march towards uh, civil rights for all? Or do you want a wedding that's not very cringy? I'm going to choose no cringe.
0: It's impossible.
1: Uh, you want to know what the least cringy thing that's going to happen at this wedding is? Because hmm. it is a traditional Jewish wedding in the woods. Uh, but there's, So it's already low on the cringe factor. But they solidified the absence of cringe by uh, booking somebody very special. That's right, it's my first
0: oh my God. live
1: DJ gig.
0: Do I have to be there that night? In,
1: oh at the night of the wedding?
0: You're DJing the night of the wedding? Yeah.
1: What do you when do you think I was gonna do the, the after party?
0: That that would be a start. I <laughs> think that, that would be a good start for a new DJ. The,
1: the welcome I'm not a new DJ, I'm a am re, a returned DJ.
0: No, I, I realize you've been working on this set for a long time.
1: Oh, it's gonna be fire, not flames.
0: I still don't really understand how it what a DJ does.
1: Well, that's fine. I don't. It, understand. You made a mixtape. I don't understand a woman's period. It doesn't mean that they. But don't you made exist. a
0: mixtape, right?
1: No, honey, I didn't make a mixtape.
0: What's the difference
1: I, between a mixtape and what I'm going to do in six days' time? You
0: know the whole way all the songs go.
1: I have arranged a, a fire ass flames ass set. That's how I talk, and um, I wanted to make sure that nothing goes wrong. Usually, when I DJ, it kind of like I pick the, the track in the moment. You know, to see what comes next. But this time, I've arranged a really, a really good set. And then I'm going to mix it live. That's what, that's what I'm doing. I'm mixing it live.
0: Okay. Well, I look forward to it. It's, no, you sounds like don't. you're going to have a nice captive audience. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, they're literally going to be captive because they're going to be uh, three hours from civilization in the redwoods of Mendocino. So, yeah, they are going to be a captive audience. But, you know, I'm not too worried about it. I think it's really going to be. People are going to be very impressed. Some of the older uh, uh, members of the bridal uh, party are probably going to be confused. But that's—I'm not there for them. I'm there for the young drug dealers. Why are they
0: going to be confused?
1: Well, I'm just saying, like the probably the the the, you know the mother and father of the bride. My mom, not so much because she's deaf. But like some of the older guests at the party probably aren't ready for a Afro house delving into a kind of. you know, new dance, uh, almost. I would say even dancing toward um, sort of atmospheric trance at certain points. You know, I don't know that they're ready for that. They probably want lay down and boogie and play that funky music till you die. And I'm not going to be offering that.
0: All right. Well, hopefully you're one of several DJs. I am one of several. You know, I'm
1: your husband.
0: What mean, I've just heard, I've heard what you've been, I've heard what you've been practicing. You've been playing piano
1: since we started dating. And if you were playing piano at the, and let me just tell you, you play piano, like, I would say the way you play piano is like if you trained a chimpanzee to, to play piano. And if you were playing piano as a part of the ceremony, I would be like, that's great, honey, I support you.
0: No, I know. But I'm just saying that it's, you know, very specific. The music that you're offering that's i wouldn't exactly call it like typical it's like only mm-hmm. techno honey and that's a lot for a wedding
1: this is going to be a great wedding there's a old school there's a rare groove and uh, oldies dj that starts then it goes into hip-hop shout out to my man juan solo that's the hip-hop dj good friend of mine mm-hmm. old buddy old pal of mine love him burning man campmate Extraordinaire. Mm-hmm. then after we've gone through the rare groove we've gone through the soul the hits from the era of the in-laws now we've gone through the i like it 90s hip-hop and rump shaking music now it's time for us to go into the into the ether into the velvet zone all right that's when the artiste is going to come on and play a set that is going to be remembered in that stretch of the Redwoods for a long time to come.
0: All right. Well,
1: I'm going to record it. And the I'm gonna velvet,
0: g- velvet Room. Is that what you said?
1: Into the Velvet Hour. The Velvet I'll tell Hour. you what. I'm going to record this set. I'm going to give it to our Patreon listeners. And you tell me if Natasha's being incredibly supportive or not. Uh, if she's hating unnecessarily. Uh, you listen to it. And you tell me. That was Fire Ass Flames. Or Natasha was right. Yikes.
0: Um, I would love to see a tally of that.
1: I would love to see a tally of it too. Maybe. I'm just saying
0: techno music like the hard stuff that you're playing. Uh-huh. You, you got to be in a mood.
1: Yeah, you know what you sound like? Is somebody encountering punk for the first time, going, "This is a little hard. Do you guys have any Bill Haley in the comments?"
0: I like punk rock. I never like techno. So right. when it's like all techno, I do think all the your ag-
1: absolute bias is informing this conversation. <laughs>
0: Okay, fine, Moshe. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, right. Let's
0: switch topics. Why don't we take some questions?
1: Well, I just want to say that the reason we're not on video today is, in fact, because I am already all all route to the wedding. So we don't have the access to the cameras that we would like right now. So this this one goes out to you, brother. Oh, brother. As you get married... Uh, and because we are out on the wo- in the woods without access to what we would like in terms of technological superiority, we're not going to be taking any call-in callers today. We're going to be doing some written-in questions. Hi, Honeymooners. It's Moshe reporting live from the woods, sleeping in my RV all by myself. And as much as I love being all by myself without my partner, what I do not love is sleeping on a mattress that isn't a helix helix mattress is the best mattress i've ever slept on i ordered one by taking their sleep quiz on the website and i found a mattress that was perfect for my specific back it took my back problems away it's the most comfortable thing i've ever slept on if you don't have a mattress that makes you excited to get into bed at night then you are not living your life correctly but i've got a solution if you want a mattress for you If you want a mattress for your kid, if you are a plus-size sleeper, they've got a mattress for you, and I've got a deal for you. I will, I, me, not Natasha, will offer you 20% off any order at Helix Mattress just by going to helixsleep.com slash honeymoon. This is the best offer we've ever had to give, and it will not last long. helixsleep.com slash honeymoon. With Helix, better sleep starts now.
0: Uh, Should I read this first one? Yeah,
1: hit it, Natasha.
0: Hello, Motion Natasha. You
1: know, it occurs to me that a lot of ladies would love, love to be the plus one to the DJ. You know, a lot of ladies. I'm just thinking about it right now. Like, there's a lot of DJ groupies out there that would be really stoked to be able to be in, like, the one. You know what,
0: honey? I'm not one of them.
1: I know. I'm a fine one. I might you find one think
0: you wouldn't be attracted to someone who just wanted to be a groupie for a DJ.
1: No, I'm just saying for you to be like, yikes. I'm just saying there's a lot of women in the world that are like, "yum." All right, Sorry, I cut you off. It just occurred to me there's a lot of ladies out there that would be lusting and juicing moist for a hot DJ, but you're not one of them, so let's read the, this first letter.
0: Hello, Moshe and Natasha, love the podcast. Thank you for the entertainment. Wanted your advice on my situation. I developed feelings for my best friend who has a girlfriend. He can't reciprocate my feelings, and after trying to maintain the friendship, he decided it was best to part ways as friends. Totally fair. However, we go to school together. It's hard to walk by him on random occasions because it just keeps reopening the scab over and over. There's a school cafeteria where I go to for lunch, and it's the best place to unwind with other students and decompress from the stress of school. However, once in a while, I'll run into my best friend here, and we have mutual friends, so we're kind of forced into this friendly lunch where we pretend everything is fine. If I see him already seated when I enter the cafeteria, I do a complete 180 to avoid interacting with him. I'm in this school for two more years, so I have to deal with this somehow. I'm already planning on moving off the on-campus housing to avoid chance encounters, but the cafeteria slash school is still a potential place where our orbits cross. So what do I do here? Do I avoid the cafeteria for the rest of my time at the school and go isolate myself from my other friends? I feel like that's not fair because I want to be in the cafeteria to hang out with all my friends. Or do I just bite the bullet and go to the cafeteria and pretend that everything is fine with him when it's not? The painful part of the latter option is that I still have feelings for him and I'm stuck in the narrative that he secretly likes me back, which I'm trying to break away from. Healthy. I said healthy, not her. <laughs> Would love your advice. Thank you. Sorry, I had to comment a little. No,
1: I liked it. I liked it. It was confusing <laughs> who the narrator was. Healthy. I said healthy. I'm me. No, I'm
0: Natasha. Well, because that's an interesting thing because it's so seductive to try to read into these signs. And it's like, if you really, really flip it over and over and over, you're like, yes, I think. He did. He does like me back. Yeah. That one time, he's he wouldn't have said that. You've like analyzed it so much, and you have the fantasy of you guys of him like dropping the other person, and you know you guys having this clandestine affair becoming a reality. It's like such fun fantasy, and you know it could happen maybe, and you know it sort of is like daydream stuff, and I don't know. It's like. I think it's healthy to step past that because it's not real.
1: It's not just healthy. It's actually, and I hate when we delve into this kind of rhetoric on this podcast, and I feel like maybe we've done it too much, but it is a function, I'm about to do it, the thing I hate. This is a function of being an adult, that you stop engaging in, I'm so sorry, writer. I love you, and I think you're a great person, that's me talking. Uh, but you stop engaging in childish fantasies that l- love and feeling somehow looks like s- um, some concoction in your mind. In reality, somebody that has feelings for you gets with you. he 's macking on you, he 's honking your boobies, he 's fingering you, he 's taking you out on dates. He's picking you up in his Camaro and he's saying, honey, let's go to the woods for the weekend.
0: He's not. He's honking with, your boobies.
1: Yeah. He's not with <laughs> some other girl that he's audibly saying, no, I'm with this girl. Not, that, that is not what feelings are. Feelings are not a person dating someone else telling you I don't have feelings for Listen,
0: you. Listen, it's going to pass. It's going to fade. One really important thing is yeah. to not indulge your friends to like talk about Your relationship.
1: Oh, I totally agree. Because
0: you guys share this whole scene together.
1: Well, that's why I wanted to finish that thought. Because I don't mean to be harsh. I understand the fantasy. Although, to be honest, it's never occurred to me. I've never really understood fully the idea of a fully fantasy relationship with someone. Someone is telling you with words and actions that they're not interested. And you're still, not even the part where you think he has feelings for you. Even the part where you have feelings for him. Don't you think that you deserve to have feelings for somebody for whom there is a remote possibility it will become romantic? You deserve that. So when I say it's a function of age, what I mean is as you get older, uh, you start to realize that that is not actually what feelings are. That I don't know what it is. It's infatuation. It's a crush. It's, for me, things... Your physical ideal. Yeah, for me, things in this realm... I mean, by the way, I'm not saying being in, I've never been interested in someone that wasn't interested in me. I absolutely was. And I would but when I would say to them, Hey, I'm interested in you. I would like to honk your boobies. I might I'm gonna be a DJ someday if you're interested if that turns you on and she would say to me, I'm dating someone else. I'm not interested. No Jews allowed or whatever, I would then move on. Because I
0: No, but I remember once you said a girl said, um you said, she said, can we just be friends? And you said, no, I don't want any more friends. Well, that's
1: true. I, and and to be fair to the writer, I am on the far end of like h- harshness and pragmatism when it comes to this kind of stuff. I always was like, never tell a lie when the truth will do. I, you know, like I will just always be honest. No, why would I want to be? I don't want to be your friend. I want to be uh, romantic with you. If you're not interested in that, I've got friends already. Like, so. I understand that's that's more harsh and extreme than most people are comfortable being. My point of saying all this is to this writer like the first thing to do with this is to under is to get to the realization that this entire romantic concoction, while your feelings are valid and they're real, you feel them, it's based on absolutely nothing. There is no romance between you and them. There is nothing there. And in fact, another fantasy is that this is your best friend. This is not your best friend. Your, your best friend is not someone you want to fuck and it's also not somebody that you do a 180 when you see. So you don't that you don't have exactly. a best friend. You don't have a potential lover. You've got a person for whom you had a friendship that then developed into you becoming infatuated with them. You let them know that you wanted to make it romantic even though he was in a relationship was a little shady on your part and then he said i'm not interested he's a stand-up guy that's good he's supposed to do that and now what you're left with is the embarrassing and uncomfortable feelings that you have to see somebody for whom you became infatuated who's not interested in you and that's the the thing you have to deal with this is not a long like eat pray love type of like epic romance this is just an awkward situation that you have to get through and a part of getting through it is not hiding in off-campus housing. Is not not going to the cafeteria at your college. Exactly. It's not allowing these false narratives to affect your college experience. It's about walking through it, facing your fear, and be and acting with integrity.
0: Okay, and I would also say this is just be easy on yourself because this is really hard, and because it's hard, you're gonna have to attack it from all angles. You're gonna have to think of him as like a disgusting person when you think of when you see him. You have to think of him like shitting his pants with his like brown streak in his underwear. You have to think of like thing gross things green. he does. He Make it a green, a green streak, streak if it helps. And you just have to kind of like realize that he, uh, you know, just focus on your friends. Be there. And then just, oh, the other attack portion. The other, you know, I think there's like three things you have to do. is Imagine it being gross. Not talk shit about him to your friends.
1: Yes. Wait, Natasha, can I jump in? Yeah. Uh, when you said that, that was deep wisdom earlier. And I wanted to make sure we came back to that. Not talk shit about him to your friends. Not only that... Don't talk about how much you like him to your friends. That's
0: what I mean. Don't engage. You know, like I really thought. You know, I wonder. She's kind of a bitch. She's she like gained weight, or I, you know, just don't try Be- to. When you talk about these
1: things, they become you. You, I've seen this a lot. People talk and talk and talk about their heartbreak. And they convince themselves, they fool themselves even into thinking that what they're doing is processing, they're healing by talking about it. But after like 30 days, it's not healing anymore. It's like reveling. It's it's picking a scab so deeply that it will never heal. You gotta just stfu. You. you can talk to your therapist about it maybe, but not keeping. You keep it alive by keeping by throwing the uh, kindling into the fire of your feelings for that person. Go ahead, Natasha.
0: I think I forgot.
1: You had three things. Don't talk. Three
0: things. Don't talk shit. Um,
1: Imagine him pooping his pants.
0: (laughs) Knowing also it will fade.
1: It will fade. It will fade. The the streak in his pants, you mean? Yeah. Well, here's another suggestion while you're trying to think of the third angle. Is get busy. Find stuff to do. Fill your life with stuff that isn't ruminating on this guy. Take a, a a a extracurricular class. Get into a school club. Date somebody else. I mean, just you gotta get busy and get on with your life. And Natasha said, "This will fade. It will fade." There's no question that in ten years you won't even you'll barely remember this guy. He's not your best friend. He's not your potential lover. He's oh, just I remember what it was. I was yes, say. I knew if I talked long enough, you would.
0: Um, another. It's almost like a spiritual practice for you, which is taking the high road. And I think in these interactions, you just have to, like, you know, smile, be nice, hey, you know, just like not trying to unclench and trying to just treat them like some, like an acquaintance as so, much as you can.
1: So, your advice is uh, picture him with a load of poo poo in his pants, but also take the high road.
0: Yeah, well, that's just... I'm t- taking the high road outwardly.
1: I think you're right. You know I what think, I
0: mean? Like like trying to subtract your ego from a little bit.
1: I, I think you're right. Hey. I, I think this... I do a complete 180 to avoid interacting with him. Yeah. You gotta, no more. You walk straight towards him. Hey, how are you, Brian? Mm-hmm. And then you just move on with your day. I mean, don't do this 180 thing. You're giving this thing so much more energy and oxygen than it needs. In reality, this is a hiccup in your dating life. And one day, you'll look back and say can't believe I was tripping so hard off that dude. He died of an overdose in 2030.
0: And it's your ego that's making you want to like have him come up to you and you don't want to say anything and you don't, you know, so it's like you just, it's, it's all about trying to diffuse some of that.
1: All right. Good luck to you out there. This is difficult stuff, but stuff that we all go through.
0: Okay. All right. Let's see what else we got in the bag. All right.
1: I'll read this one, Natasha. It says, hey, hey, my partner and I are moving to New York City in a couple of months From another large east coast city and we have both run into equally challenging reactions from our parents both of our parents have given an immediate supportive reaction which is great however then quickly bring up stress about visiting us in new york and there is a somewhat implied message of us planning to host them or taking that into account like they assume that we would have an extra bedroom in new york city I don't quite know how to say that we, of course, want them to visit, but also we cannot afford to get an apartment with an extra bedroom just for the cumulative two weeks per year that they visit. Thoughts on gently relaying that message?
0: This is like the easiest question in the world. I
1: love it. What do you got?
0: Well, they obviously have to say, yeah, yeah, we'll see what we can figure out. Uh, of, Of course. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it can be stressful. Yeah, well, we hope you can come. Are you going to get a a two-bedroom studio studio plus, whatever they call a two-bedroom in New York? It's, like, probably, like, got some kind of, like, name, you know, like...
1: It's like a bedroom with a small cub cubby in it. It's (laughs) like Harry Potter nook. So, and then then you just get the apartment that you can get. And then
0: then then, then they'll come visit you.
1: And then you put them in a fucking hotel.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think any negotiations about details need to be made before you know and it's annoying even that they're having
1: a, a house
0: yeah it's annoying that they're even pressuring you for any of that so but I, I guess what i would say instead of getting into it with people like listen we it's already hard enough we don't have help we have to pay for everything ourselves how do you think we're gonna be able to afford that you know you just be like oh maybe that's avoidance but that's what i would do no, yeah I, sounds great cool I'm, can't wait for you
1: to come oh we're in a studio it looks like you're staying <laughs> yeah. at the ritz I totally agree. This is not a thing that needs to be pre-negotiated. This is a thing that needs to be negotiated once you have the house. And then you go, whoops, sorry. I mean, Dan Savage once wrote this article. This is not quite related, but it was about somebody that was always going to visit his family, his in-law's family, and always there were fights and stress. And Dan Savage was like, you just have to stay in a hotel. And it'll be very awkward when you bring up that you're staying in a hotel because this family expected them to stay with them. But it'll only be awkward once. And then for the rest of the, your lives with these people, it won't be awkward at all. And you will have freedom because you'll be able to escape. I like, did it
0: when I went home to uh, visit my for the fu- for my funeral I didn't stay on my family for my, your, fam- for for my f- father's funeral. I didn't stay at my family home. I stayed at an Airbnb. Yeah,
1: and the first time you bring it up, it's a, and it's it was
0: probably awkward, but now I'm always going to do that.
1: Exactly. So you'll say to these people, "Oh no, it turns out that we could not afford anything but this tenement shack in New York. So unfortunately, we it's can't, a
0: studio plus. We
1: can't host, but we've got all these great Airbnbs and hotels that you can stay at, and they'll huff and puff. And then every time they come visit you from that point on. You, they'll stay in a hotel, and you won't have to host them, and you will be so stoked that you decided to get the smaller apartment rather than paying a third of your income on this theoretical visit.
0: They really do have their own language in New York. Like I remember when I was looking for apartments, it would be, you'd be like, "What's a bachelor? A bachelor studio? Like they have all these like little names for things. What like, is a bachelor? It's like." Everything's like, you know, whatever a normal thing is, plus a cubbyhole. Uh-huh. And then they're like, this could also be for entertaining.
1: Listen, the indignity of living in New York is uh, an unassailable fact. It's the it's reality. It, it is difficult to live in New York, and you don't need your parents visiting uh, and staying on your floor. Put them in a hotel.
0: And then you have all these rich people saying it's the greatest place on earth, which it is if you're rich.
1: All right, let's do another one.
0: Okay, here we go. Hey, yeah. I've been wanting to submit this question for a while now. I religiously listened to the podcast and like so many listeners loved it during the pandemic. Thanks for all you do. Welcome. My cue. How can I not be sad about having my kids later in life? I waited until... This is, is this going to depress me, this question? This Let's is like out. something I haven't thought of. Let's find out. I waited until my late 30s to have my kids. I was 43. I'm 40 with a four-year-old and a one-year-old by choice. The four-year-old
1: was non-consensual, but the one-year-old was by choice.
0: (laughs) Okay, I had a non-profit career that was, is great and was traveling a ton and living a beautiful life. I was pretty scared about having kids, but after my first, I discovered that I'm a crazy baby person and I love kids so much. Can't say I'm the same. Um, Now that I have my boys and love them so completely, can say the same on that. I often feel melancholy or even morbid about being an older parent. I want to experience them for as long as possible, be a grandparent, etc. I also find myself ruminating over not having a third. I have had ill-advised thoughts about trying for a girl. My mother died of an illness when I was in my 20s, so I know that plays a role in my thinking. Oh, wow, that's true. Wow, that's really sad. But these thoughts steal my joy, and I feel ridiculous being sad about something that can never be changed. You are both older parents. Wait a minute! Fuck you! you. Know what? what is this lady talking? Fuck talk- off. Fuck
1: you! That's our advice. Go fuck yourself. No, she
0: did put it in quotes, and she's right. Uh, so maybe you can relate or make me laugh/slash feel better. Love you both.
1: I mean, this is an easier question to answer than the um, how. To, what about my parents staying on my Studio Plus? i'm just kidding this one's complicated listen i have some thoughts what do you think
0: um well i think that here you go first well here's
1: the deal you've got the. this is hard and this is existential and obviously i mean the obvious answer that ram Dass would give you or any like spiritual leader would give you is this is ruminating about this is like wondering why you weren't born taller you, don't mourn
0: the living you just
1: weren't you didn't have kids earlier you'll never have had kids earlier it's something so you the, can't control these thoughts are just like they are just that they are thoughts as my old AA sponsor would always say to me and has said to me actually recently that's a movie playing in your head and you can choose to watch it if you want but I would ignore it it's just it's just noise it's nonsense because you don't have a different life you have the life you, that you have maybe she's you-
0: like in Tennessee where most moms are
1: 23 because <laughs> like
0: everyone around me is like a 50-year-old toddler mom. I mean,
1: the other thing is, if you had had kids earlier, they would have been different kids. The cool boys you love so much, they wouldn't have ever existed. Because they were waiting to get into those old-ass, nearly nearly, um, curdled eggs that you had them from. And if you had had the kids in your 20s, it would have been two totally different kids. One of them might have murdered you. You don't know what would have happened. One of them might have cured cancer, but we don't know what would have happened.
0: Also, if you're a great mom and you love it, maybe you should try for a girl. You know, they're obviously better than having a boy. But here's the
1: real rub. This is my this was my first thought is the fact that your mother died when you were young. As as sad as it is, um, my dad died when I was really young, too. I was 20 as sad as it is it gives you an exact answer to your problem which is life is chaos and you do not ever know when the next step comes you could have had kids when you were young and died when you were young you know like that is a possibility because life is not guaranteed and longevity is not guaranteed your mom didn't have longevity right and uh, and i know that it's you're saying it's informing your anxiety about not being around your kids till they get older. But it should also, in a way, it could also be in in informing in your peace of mind about it because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. So you don't know. You might live to be 120 and your kids will be like, damn, mom, die already. You might die tomorrow. We don't have a promised tomorrow. And so that, as sad and scary as it is, should give you some peace of mind that there was no better life or different life or different possibility for you. There was only what you had. And what you have is two boys that are going to grow up. One of them is going to cure cancer. One of them is probably going to go to prison. That's my prediction for your family.
0: Yeah. And this the whole idea of don't mourn the living. Like you are part of the living. You are alive. Like, why are you already like imagining your death? Right. You know, and that you're going to die. And, you know, just have like a really firm vision of yourself taking care of your children's children and just like see that and like you love kids so much like imagine that as a reality and really try to believe it and i think that's it's a good fantasy to replace the one of you dying you know from from heart failure when uh, you're 42 <laughs> at 46 and a half
1: well these are difficult questions because they're existential and it's very easy to say from the other end of a microphone on a podcast hey don't have that anxiety obviously this is an issue that but you know you know person that wrote this in you know that this isn't reality that there is no reality about like envisioning your Impending demise and how young your kids will be, you don't know when you're gonna go, you don't know when they're gonna go, no one knows anything, and so all you can do is embrace the life that you've got now, which sounds pretty dang good
0: yeah, try to you know try to just also go into um gratitude with the kids because you like kids, you feel like you're a baby person, you're obviously you know loving parts of it, so I think it's just really important to. I think it's really important to just focus on that.
1: That's another thing. Just what you said. This whole setup here. I had a nonprofit career that was great. I was traveling a ton, living a beautiful life. I was scared about having kids. And then you had one. You were like, I love this. If you had had kids earlier, you probably wouldn't have been able to experience that same thing because you had such a rich pre-life before your kids came along that you were able to go, yes, you're not automatically ready for kids at the at the age when you're not ready to have them. You had them when you were ready. And now, you are an old ass motherfucker. you're an old-ass motherfucker. You're what I call an older parent.
0: But also, still like eight years younger than me, so fuck you. Yeah, she's like, I you. can't believe how old I am with a four-year-old.
1: Fuck you is definitely our takeaway from this whole thing. Fuck you and enjoy your life.
0: All right, well, listen, I need a palate cleanser, so let's listen to some secrets.
1: Good idea.
2: Hello. My secret is that sometimes when I sit down on the toilet to pee... I will lean forward and smell my underwear because I think my vagina smells so good. I just like the smell of it. And I do it pretty often. And maybe that's not that weird. It probably is a little weird, but if it's not, maybe other girls do it too. And they just like, don't talk about it. Bye.
0: Okay, well, you might like pussy.
1: Oh, you think this is a Possibly.
0: Potential- and also, I think that the more we can like like ourselves in every way, find new ways every day to love yourself, have self compassion, think your shit smells good. Oh, occupy your space. Yeah,
1: have compassion. Smell your pussy. That's a
0: <laughs>
1: that is a bumper it's sticker. It's related. To, we we gotta put that have on. Have
0: compassion the, for yourself. You know what the opposite is? Being like, oh fucking, I'm a piece of shit. My pussy stinks. Oh,
1: I used to date this girl who would did I ever tell you this? Probably so. I used to date this girl who every time we'd hook up, she would start like talking about how ugly her vagina was. And it was regular, it was totally nice. And I would just, it was such a window into her psyche. I was just like, this is a metaphor of a metaphor of a metaphor. Now, I was thinking the kind of flexibility. You need to have to be able to lean down and smell it. That's probably that's probably why she loves herself so much. She's she's really got a very lithe, athletic um, sort of physicality, you know. But then I was thinking, actually, don't women women don't really pull their underwear all the way to their ankles, do they? When they're sitting down, they, uh, it's, it's like to the knees. It's to the knees. That's mm-hmm. so weird. I would never. I would never do that. Why? I don't know. It just seems weird to me. Just well, you would never knees.
0: sit down to piss.
1: Yeah, but I sit down for other things, other really cool things, mm. other awesome things. You know what? Sometimes every time I take a shit, I lean in all the way. I flatten my body fully so that my face is fully between my legs and I stick my head into the toilet to smell my own shit. All right. Listen, let's it's take another It's true. Secret. I love myself and I'm being compassionate towards <laughs> myself. So I dunk my head into the toilet and I swirl around my own shit. <laughs> That's how much I
3: love me.
0: Well, listen, I love that level of self-love, Moshe. Mm-hmm. I do. All right. Listen, uh, let's hear another secret.
3: Here's my juicy, fat, deep secret. I'm a graduate student, and I've been using ChatGPT to help me with my papers and tests. And, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into fixing these outputs, but I really don't think my professors have caught on. Um, I'm doing extremely well with about a quarter of the work.
0: Eventually, they're gonna
3: catch up to me, but so far, so good. I'm about halfway through, and I think I'm gonna continue to use this AI help. I really don't feel like it's a big deal, although I, I, I know that there are some ethical implications. And so, it has helped me pass tests, write discussion posts, but I feel a bit guilty, but also like not really. So that's my secret.
0: Bye. I got I mean it. Oh sorry. He's obviously not alone.
1: Of course not. No, I just had a really disturbing thought. What's that? Well, he's obviously not alone, like you said. We're about to enter into a generation of pe- of professionals who went to graduate school for things that you're supposed to be good at, who used ChatGPT and didn't try as hard as the generation before, because all they're thinking about when they're in school is passing. They're not thinking about how good of a professional they're going to be. So we're about to enter into this generation of young doctors uh, who (gasps) who used ChatGPT and tried 35 to 40% less hard than the doctors you used to see. And you'll be like, I've got this fucking growth on my gut what is it? And they'll be like, oh, I don't know. I wasn't really really paying attention during that thing. And, and everything is about to degrade and decay. We're fucked.
0: You sound like me.
1: Well, yeah. That is a kind of a you thought. But how about that?
0: Well, I think that... I mean, I already want an old doctor. Mm-hmm. Like, we had a pediatrician. Be- she was wearing vans a, a and a thong. mini skirt and i was like is i thought she was in high school she had a
1: white claw tattoo
0: i'm just like i cannot she i want
1: sup i want like
0: a 70 year old man but then they can be seen too old everything okay what's the perfect age for a doctor they,
1: they can be too old
0: 57
1: 57 is a good age yes although that's when good. i'm
0: 57 i want to be retired well dude 50. have you ever
1: had a too old i've had a too old where they're like hands are shaking and you're like have you read a medical textbook since you used <laughs> leeches are you sure <laughs> So it's a, it's a, it's a, it, it's it's real difficult. It's a balance out there.
0: <laughs> well, this guy didn't even say he was a doctor, but still, I hear you. What that, if he's
1: a nuclear physicist? That's anything, worse.
0: Anything, right? I mean. Oh, well, how's
1: the, how's the Hadrian Collider work? Oh, I don't know. I asked an algorithm.
0: <laughs> no, they're already. My friend is a, a teacher, and he's a college professor, an adjunct professor at the UCs uh, uh, in California.
1: TMI, Tosh.
0: Anyway, he said they already have software seeing if you're using chat GPT. But this guy basically
1: is saying he gets it and then he rewrites it. So he gets the answer uh, and then he rewrites it. So he's it. rewriting it. Yeah. So
0: that's why it's not being ca- getting caught in the software. Well, well, maybe well, there'll be... new. Uh, yeah. What we're going to have is
1: a generation of poorly trained oh professionals that are really skilled at cheating. <laughs> it's not good. All right, last secret.
2: So, I have a secret. Um, So, I was on Tinder a couple years ago, and I'm swiping and I'm swiping, and I come across my ex-housemate's fiancé, and obviously, I swipe left, but I screenshot it first, and I'm not, like, really close friends with this ex-housemate, but I'm closer friends with her sister, who's also my ex-housemate. We all lived in the same house together, including her fiancé, and her three-year-old daughter she had with her fiancé, and so I sent her the screenshot and I'm like, yo, your sister's fiancé's on dinner, and they're engaged, right, and they're planning their wedding, and her sister decides, okay, let's not tell her, like, she's just gonna freak out, and <laughs> it's gonna ruin everything, i like, let's just not tell her, so we decide not to tell her. And I'm at this so they get married. They've been married like a year now. I don't even know. And I'm on this girl's Facebook group, like local girls in our area. It's mostly like anonymous questions, like some anonymous users that tell people about their situationship and like, oh, what do I do? Anyways, someone posted this exact situation almost on there and was like, I just found my friend's fiance on Tinder. Do I tell her? And this ex-housemate who's profile I found she commented and she's like yeah I wouldn't want to know you should tell her and <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, they've already been married like a year now like this is two years ago that happened but I'm like <laughs> I don't, don't want to like is there a point to telling her like I shouldn't tell her like I don't know anyways I
0: have the secret I can't tell anyone but there you go how close a friend is she? Because that's not not that close. Because it definitely seems ex housemate. Okay, but like the only reason you shouldn't tell a friend that they're cheating that their their fiance's on Tinder
1: or was on Tinder
0: is if you think she knows and she just doesn't want you to mention it because she's just like in denial or something. But
1: the only reason not to tell her, yourself? yeah.
0: Well, you yeah, but tell now people that. but
1: now she has to say hey. You said you would want to know. I assumed a year and a half ago, when you weren't married to him yet, that you maybe wouldn't want to know, so I didn't tell you. But I found this out two years ago, and here right. you go. So now she's like, she's really uh, implicating herself ethically. I gotta say, I would send the. Sc- I know what you do.
0: Urge friends to tell her.
1: Here's what you do. Because she's not a good friend. Make an anonymous Gmail account.
0: Oh my god.
1: Send the screenshot. I'm a member of your... I, I, I knew you'd want... Actually, don't even say this because then she'll trace it back to you. Just send her the screenshot. Boom. Anonymously.
0: Are, and are we sure that it's current? That he's currently on Tinder? Put
1: the date. This is taken blah, blah, blah.
0: I mean, that's not the worst idea.
1: This was taken blah, 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 blah. I don't know if this is still real. I don't want to get involved. Here you go. Boom. Now you got the info. Knowledge is power.
0: Mm, yeah what would you want
1: me i'm talking you... to
0: the to the public oh yeah the girl i mean talking. i would want someone to tell me before i had children with someone who's like cheating on me and or was trying...
1: cheating that's the other weird part of this thing you don't know if he got off Still. Tinder when he got married he might have been like okay i'm married now time to stop cheating we just don't know that's why i think the anonymous email account is kind of that's the vibe right there pretty smart all right Let's do uh, another written-in question, Natasha. This has been so fun.
0: Yeah, we have some more, so let's, uh, let's dig in. Hey, guys. Summer is the worst time to suffer with an uncomfortable bra. Thankfully, Honey Love has revolutionized the bra game. Now, if you have not tried Honey Love, you will love it. I love the material it's made out of. It gives you that lift, but you don't even know you're wearing it. I've had so many bras because I want to get a little lip, put the underwire on and it fucking hurts. And after like two minutes, I have to take it off. But these bras are awesome. I freaking love them. I have never in my life fallen asleep in a bra. But guess what? I fell asleep in this one. Upgrade from traditional bras that use uncomfortable underwire and bulky fabrics that trap heat. Honey loves bras features supportive bonding that eliminates the need for underwire without sacrificing lift. Plus, they're made with fabric that's so soft it feels like a second skin. You'll immediately feel and see the difference. It is so next-level comfortable, you'll forget you're wearing it. For a limited time only, you can get Honey Love on sale. You can get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com com forward slash honeymoon get your lift on and honey love has more than just bras they have incredibly comfortable shapewear tanks and leggings for everyday support honey love has you covered for the everyday look workouts weddings and more honeys you need this in your life you've earned it treat yourself to the best shapewear on the market and save 20 percent off at honeylove.com honeymoon And use our exclusive link to get 20% off. Honeylove.com slash honeymoon.
1: Okay, I'll read this one. And by the way, listeners, write in and tell us whose voice you prefer better in these letter readings. Okay? Hey, honeymooners, I need your help. I love my husband and our family. It's mostly amazing. But my husband and I have a secret from our 7-year-old eldest son. I met his dad when he was one year old after being completely abandoned by his bio dad. My husband legally adopted our son and changed his name. We went on to have two more children. I want to tell our son as he asks us about things of this nature and had to do family trees in school, and I don't want to make him feel like he's lied to or make this into a big deal that he can use against us later. I myself have had skeletons in the family closet that revealed themselves later when my... when I was an adult, and I resented those secrets. I have shared all of this with my husband, who keep well, she said hubby, but to preserve her and to protect her as a listener, I'm going to say husband, who keeps saying year after year that he will talk to our son, but he never does. It hurts him emotionally that he isn't our son's bio dad, even though he is his dad in every way that matters, and our son does not remember any other father. He is putting it off. We have friends and family who waited too long to say anything, and a kid or an ex used it against them, and the kid was ultimately resentful. How do I get my husband to understand this means a lot to me to tell our son soon? Help! Love you and love the pod. Sincerely, short time single mom.
0: Oh my God, this was like so hard at the beginning. I'm like, oh my God, there's no answer. What can you do? What can you do? But she's right. You need to ha- you need to tell them because everyone always recommends all these people who run these clinics. They always say it. You should always be very upfront. Like these are donor eggs. Blah blah blah. Like this is like this is you know that you're adopted. Like you just have to make it part of the story. However, now that I got to the end, this is like you guys should do it together.
1: Oh, hundred percent. Why is it on him to do it? Yeah,
0: together? like it, this is just. It's not up to him, even though he's the dad and you're, it's like, you guys need to, you're the one who fucked that loser. (laughs) Why are you making him do it?
1: You got, I'm with you, Natasha, all the way up until the, um, um, (laughs) the guy's a
0: loser. He won't even come say hi to this kid. So So it's like, not only do you have to tell your kid that his real dad is not who he thinks he is, but you also have to say, he's also a guy who doesn't come when he says he's going to come. So it really sucks.
1: I heard this unbelievable episode of a podcast. I hate recommending other podcasts because all of them are shit. I mean, and I'm talking all of them. I've never heard another good podcast other than this one. But I was listening to this podcast called This Is Love. Um, And you've heard it too because I recommended it to you. And it was this crazy story. Um, You can find it on there uh, about this gay couple that found an abandoned kid in the uh, subway and through an insane set of circumstances, literally found a child on, oh, yeah. on the, the subway. That was a crazy story. Through an insane set of circumstances, they ended up being able to adopt that child. They and they, like,
0: th- it was like on the steps and wrapped up and they thought it was like a dirty doll. Yeah. And it was like literally someone left their baby there.
1: Exactly. And through this like really crazy, beautiful kind of...
0: Like this, a, the, the ju- there was a judge who like really wanted them to have the yeah, it, kids. It's a cool ass story.
1: It's called This is Love. Look it up. I don't remember the episode title, but you can find it. Um and basically, they had this dilemma. It's not, it was a little bit more unusual than yours, which is they, had, they knew they had to tell this kid that he was not their biological kid.
0: Abandoned on a subway but it
1: stoop. Was, but it was so young that they didn't know how to like unpack some of this stuff. And so what they did is they wrote this children's story.
0: That's what I was actually thinking in my head, so I think that that story rubbed off on me. Yeah. Because it's part of your, your history.
1: They wrote this children's story about, you know, once upon a time, there was a baby that was, uh, you know, all alone in a subway station. His mom couldn't um, deal handle raising him, and she got so scared that she, le- I don't know what it was, I didn't read the story, but uh, that she left him in the subway, and then this guy walked by. They weren't using names, you know. It was like then this guy walked by and blah blah and found the baby and took him to the judge. And the judge said, "Do you want to be his daddy?" And he said, "Yes." And the then, first
0: page of the children's story is like, "Mommy was drunk and she was, was fucking a, this
1: guy." Crack is a real <laughs> epidemic. Anyway, he, they kept reading this story, you know. So the dad said yes, and then his husband, you know, uh, uh, said, "I'm going to be a dad too." Blah blah blah. Whatever it was, it was in the book. They kept reading it to this kid every night, every night, with enough sort of hints that the kid started to become like obsessed with hearing it and then one day the kid closed the book and said is this story about me and they said yeah it is and that is how that kid slowly learned his his uh, origin story and so we don't know if
0: that worked though
1: we do know that it worked what do you mean
0: The kid's kid's not an adult yet, is he?
1: You mean is he unhappy?
0: I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying this stuff is so hard. The truth is,
1: that's the the thing I was thinking too during this. Your kid is going to have weird feelings about this situation, no matter what you do. Any kid whose biological dad didn't want to raise him, uh, even as he is loved and loves his, uh, his chosen father, his real father, your current partner... Even in the perfect situation, which it sounds like you're close to having, which is this awesome guy that you know loves him so much he wishes he was his biological father too, even in that situation, your kid is going to have weird identity issues. There's no way around that. Adopted kids always have at least a little bit of uh grappling that they have to do with the fact that they've been adopted so that is the circumstance that you and your son and your husband are in you can't sidestep that you're never going to make it perfect it won't be perfect life isn't perfect but this could be a really nice way to slowly reveal this your son's story to him you know once upon a time there was a kid you know and he had he had a a dad who wasn't ready to be a dad and so he disappeared you know don't you don't want to be like (laughs) It might be tempting to be like, once upon a time, there was a kid with a full-on piece of shit fucking sperm donor of a bastard.
0: No, but I, I also think it's important to talk about, like, you know, our kid has a friend who there's only a mom. You know, it's like a single mom, and then there's another friend who has two moms there's another friend who has two dads and then there's another friend who just has one dad and it's like I think sometimes it's good to talk about it with your kid too like there's all different types of families and like you know maybe it's good to show them or you know maybe there's another kid who you know who's adopted or I don't know you know it's like you can kind of you can kind of talk to them about it and also i think kids love to hear their origin story like whenever we tell our child something about herself like she all oh, she wants us to repeat it and she wants to hear more of it and it's like you know it's like wanting to take a selfie or something like we all kind of right. innately love ourselves and this whole that's why i like that idea of what we listen to on the podcast like the origin story and making it really special and also emphasizing how much your your husband his his father now you know, the person who is his father for all you know, purposes is he wanted it. He loved you so much. We were so lucky that it happened this way. And this is he was able to to come t- to you were able to come to him as a son through a different way. And it's so special. And you know, so just talk, and I, I think that it's, it would be good for support for you to be there. This is okay. not just a conversation he should have with your, with your kid.
1: And if you're not ready to do all of those suggestions we just made, which I thought were thoughtful and probably good, one, another easier way to do, do this would be one day, just one afternoon, go, hey, Timmy? He goes, Yeah, mom. You go, you're adopted. And just leave it at that. Never, and never answer any questions. Like if he's like, what do you mean? You just say, I told you what I mean. Don't ever ask me about this again. That could be cool, too. All right. Let's do one more letter read by you and call it a day.
0: Hi, Endless Honeymoon Pod. I wanted to ask your advice on one issue I'm having. I have ghosted a lot of friends over the years because I was depressed and was too scared to let people in. So I pursued new connections where I didn't have to be so vulnerable instead of deepening my existing friendships. You're very aware of it. I'm in a much better place now and I would like to reconnect with them, but I'm worried they might be mad at me and not want to reconnect. I know I can't control their reactions and can only put my best foot forward and accept whatever responses they give, but I was wondering if you could help me draft a text, something to say over the phone that will lighten up the situation. It's been about four to five years for some friends and one year for others, and I really do miss them. Thank you. I I love another period so much. One of the best shows ever. I see that you've gotten a lot of your personality from Lillian, who was <laughs> the lead in Another Period, played by me. So you just like ghost all your friends. Like it's it's. It, I mean it's it's impressive. It's 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 and it's not just a couple. It seems like some of them you right, haven't talked to in five groups. years. i got
1: the four to five group, <laughs> and then I got the one year group.
0: <laughs> the one year. I've years. done this a couple times. <laughs> I mean.
1: This is something I would say is requires honesty. I'm so sorry, Natasha. I know that that is definitely not your go-to strategy. It requires honesty, but not too much honesty, right? Like what you want to say in this text is not, hey, I was depressed and scared to let people in, so I pursued new connections where I didn't have to be. So this is like in the definite TMI zone, I think.
0: Yeah, because I think you can reach out and those who are... I've done something like this before, you know, kind of cut a friend off and then realized maybe I shouldn't have. And then I just started hanging out with them again. And then I told them that I feel like I cut them off and they didn't even know what I was talking about. Right. You so that's another option. I
1: wouldn't say go too deep into it. You just say something like, hey, you know, I was thinking about you recently and I really miss you. You know, I I know I was I I know I was an absentee friend. Or I know I wasn't that present in our friendship back in the day, but I would really love to reconnect if you're interested in in that.
0: Can can she skip the "I know I wasn't a good friend" part because absentee? Nothing happened. Well, I don't know. For some of them, I would. For the one yearers, I would, because you don't want to like engage in like. Okay,
1: interesting. So we're talking two texts for the two groups for the one yearers. You say. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I was just thinking about you. I really miss you. I'd love to reconnect. uh, I don't know what happened.
0: And then if someone's like, doesn't write you back, well, you know, maybe you put a question mark on it in two days or if I wouldn't or if they try to engage in a negative way, maybe you don't see them. And then the ones who are like, oh, my God, I would love to see you. Hey, yes, let's hang out. When can we? And here's the thing. Don't be sending out texts to those four to five years or the one years that you don't really want to hang out with. That is true. Because you don't want to be like flaking again.
1: That is so true. You gotta make sure you want them back in your life. Cause if you re-engage and they're like, oh my God, it was really painful for me. And then six <laughs> months later, like, God, this person sucks. You you're can't...
0: remembering why you like got them out of your life.
1: Yeah, you gotta stay friends with that person for the rest of your life, whether you like them or not, once you send that text. But I think for four to five years, listen, if I had a good friend and they just ghosted me. Because I've had some friends that have done that to me.
0: You're like it, good friends with all your friends.
1: Well, but I've had some friends that just ghost. I felt ghosted by. And if they called me, yeah, if they called me or like, hey, I, yeah, you know, honestly, even though it's a little bit hurtful, if they did call me and were like, I mean, at this point, I'm too busy. But if they had called me a few years later and been like, hey, I miss you. I really would like to reconnect. I probably would have gone out to coffee with them without and I would not been like, don't you think you want to address the fact that you stopped calling me when you started dating that guy? You know, like, Mm -hmm. so I think I would respond well to that. Maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe. Start
0: with the ones you really missed.
1: Start with the ones you really missed. Say, hey, I've been thinking about you a lot. This is the word. Hey, I've been thinking about you a lot. I really miss you and I'd love to reconnect with you if you have time for that implied in there is that you kind of know you fucked up but it's not being overly dramatic and then if they don't write you back I don't think the question mark I think you've got your answer your answer is hey you hurt me I'm not down now on a different note if what you want to do is apologize for being a lousy friend then you got to be more honest and forthright Mm -hmm. and say you know here's what was going on with me but it's possible that they'll write you and say what the hell happened and then then you can say, you, you said it very eloquently, I was depressed and too scared to let people in, so I pursued new connections where I didn't have to be vulnerable instead of deepening the, my existing friendships.
0: Don't start with that.
1: Yeah, but don't start with that. That's our advice. So here's the text. Hey, blank, um, I've been thinking about you a lot lately, and I really miss you. I'd love to reconnect if you have time for, for that or if, you, if you're interested. And leave it at that. You know? And if they, don't, if they don't write back, send nudes and see if that gets him.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, good luck, Lillian Jr. And, uh, Lil Lil. Lil Lil. And uh, listen, it's been, uh, it's been great it's getting been to know real. you more. This has been hella real. And the
1: next time you hear this voice, it will be post my first live gig. So I'll be a professional. I'll be a. Oh my God, you're going to be so puffed up. Oh yeah, it's going to okay. be awesome. All right, well. We got to go. We'll I talk to you later. Natasha, I love you.
0: I love you too.
1: Goodbye, everyone.